Tango Tango Papa 2131, May 27, 2023. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion? The product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you, coming to you this morning from Carthage, Missouri. So I was uh, home for time off for the past uh, few days. Uh, Came back to work today. Actually, I went ahead and uh, left yesterday evening i don't know it was like after nine o'clock whenever i left i believe uh because i needed to be to carthage missouri for an 8 a.m appointment loading appointment and uh you know that would have meant that i would have to get up probably like three o'clock in the morning and get around and, you know, do all the things and then drive up to Carthage, Missouri, which is about, I don't know, I think it's like 118 miles or something from my house. So it's just easier for me to, uh, you know, leave last, it was just easier to leave last night and because I had to go pick my trailer up at the record service where I keep it at. And then uh, stop and get fuel and then drive on up here and check in with them and what have you. So I got here to Carthage, Missouri. I think it was about uh, 11, 15, something like that last night. And they have parking. And so I parked and then they called me uh, about 6.30 this morning told me to back into the, you know, which door to back into, which is in a cave, by the way. There's some caves at uh, Carthage, you know, man-made caves that, uh, you know, where they've got different businesses located in the man-made caves, uh, a lot of cold storage type stuff. So I backed into the door, and then uh, now it's 9.14 a.m., and just a few minutes ago, they the guy finally uh, started loading it. So he's loading it right now. So I'm making this recording on, you know, I, I did something I said, you know, for a long time I said I would never do. But here I am, I did it. Uh, making this with a, I bought a Galaxy Watch 5 Pro. And I haven't been paying much attention at all to the, you know, so-called wearable or watch market. Because uh, I really didn't see, initially I really didn't see any utility in uh, a wearable uh, device. You know, because you got your phone and the phone pretty much does everything. You know, why would you... Uh, 
have a device on your wrist that kind of attaches to your phone and then, uh, you know, why would you do that? Well, as it turns out, there it does have some utility. For one thing, uh, this watch has a very nice microphone in it, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here in my truck, and uh, I'm kind of talking into the watch, <laughs> you know, and it's not, it's not that much of a struggle, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. It, that's working pretty well so you have to talk into something and it's easy to talk into a watch another thing that i found out of course now i didn't buy the lte version of the watch uh so this is just it attaches to the phone via bluetooth and it sort of functions as a bluetooth speaker microphone combination uh but i had this friend that uh called me last night and I answered it on this watch and uh, talked to, you know talked to him for quite a quite a while and it actually is easier to uh, talk on the watch you know have a phone conversation uh, on the watch it's easier to do that as opposed as opposed to holding the phone up to my ear. Now, of course, I've got headsets and earbuds and all that stuff. But I don't, you know, I'm not one to carry that stuff around all the time. And I don't keep, you know, I don't uh, have earbuds in my, you know, because there's a lot of people you see that have earbuds in their ears all the time and what have you. And I'm just not on the phone that much. So the watch actually kind of performs that function pretty well. Uh, and the other thing that kind of intrigued me about the watches now, they've sort of perfected the, uh, I guess it's ECG, you know, it's, it's, so the thing can kind of do an electrocardiogram type thing. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and also, you know, it does uh, blood oxygen level as well as your heart rate. And those are, you know, those are kind of interesting. And then it does, you know, like the sleep tracking, which I, you know, I had a Fitbit for some period of time that, uh, you know, that I did the sleep tracking with. And that was fine, but, uh, you know, it, I didn't find that really compelling enough. But, uh, so, I don't know, between the you know, the tracking thing, which is, you know, may have, may or may not have some utility. The biggest thing I think is, uh, the ability to record audio, uh, and then use it as, uh, in, in lieu of a telephone. Now that only works obviously if you're in a fairly, you know, like a private environment, because it's basically you're on a, a bit of a speakerphone, although the watch isn't nearly as loud as the uh, telephones, uh, if you're using it as a speakerphone. So, you know, the 
if you're in a, if if I was if I was in public, you know, then I would probably and I had the phone with me. I'd probably and if someone called, I would probably probably just answer the phone and talk on the phone. But uh, I don't know. I'll experiment with it. But so far, I like the watch. Uh, I, you know, I like I say, I got the pro so-called pro model, so it's got a bigger battery. Seems to have pretty good battery life, depending on how much, you know, how much you use it. And it's got all kinds of neat little uh, features, you know. But, so the what this so-called wearable market, I think, has uh, matured quite a bit from where it started. And, uh, so I think, I think it'll be useful, even just with the ability to make audio recordings you know because it's it's kind of like having a you know it's it basically it is a digital recorder you know like a digital audio recorder on your on my wrist and so that that's useful uh and i think you know it, it probably well i know it can do uh it, you know, as long as you got an internet connection, it can do text-to-speech, and so I can make uh, not only audio notes, but, uh, you know, kind of text-to-speech type notes as well. And I do that on the phone sometimes, and so, you know, once I've perf kind of perfected the way of doing it uh, consistently here on the phone, then that, that can also be very useful. Uh, you know, make, you know, because once in a while I'll, I'll, I just, I need to make a note and it's just, and it's obviously easier to do it uh, on the watch than it is the phone because uh, for some reason, whenever I feel compelled to make some sort of a note to myself, uh, it's always in a situation where, like I'm driving or whatever, you know, and, uh, so it is just, you know, it should be easier to do that on the watch. But there's so there's some of these things I'm going to have to kind of learn uh, which way is the best way to make these things work. They, they give you a bunch of built-in applications and then there's little applications that you can buy and what have you. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of the applications that I already have on the phone that uh, may or may not have uh, watch applications, you know, so we'll see how that works over time. But I did buy this, did buy one, and uh, so far I'm pretty happy with it. So, like I say, I, I've been off for, you know, I was off for, I took, I, this time I took five full days off. The last couple of times I only took four days, but in this case I took, I just went ahead and took the five full days. My parents uh, came, you know, they, they came to uh, Northwest Arkansas. They came uh, basically for the summer or most of the summer. So I, uh, I was kind of, you know, hung out with them for, you know, I got to hang out with them and, uh, you know, so, and so that, <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Uh, 
they had, I don't know, they had this uh, little travel trailer. And they bought a second one. You know, so... And the reasoning that they said they bought the second one was because the the this other travel trailer that they had has uh you know it's it's like an eight I think it's like eighteen feet or something, but it's got the so-called Murphy bed you know and a Murphy bed <clears throat> the idea of a Murphy bed is that it's sort of you know in the closed position it's sort of pushed up against the wall you know and then you've got a well, like in that case, and there's a, a little sofa thing underneath it, you know. So you push it up to the wall, and you got your little sofa, and then people can, you know, sitting positions where people can sit. Well, then that's in the front of the travel trailer. And then you get ready to go to bed. You pull the you pull the bed down from the wall, and then you got your bed. Well, mom is getting, you know, she's 98 now, and she's getting pretty feeble. You know, so she's really got to watch herself as far as keeping her balance. So uh, she was worried about, uh, I guess, because of that Murphy bed was a little bit higher up off of the floor. She was worried about, you know, getting out of bed in the middle of the night if she had to go to the bathroom. So they decided, well... We'll buy this other travel trailer, and of course it's used as well. Uh, bought this other travel trailer, and you know, and it has a like a fixed bed, so it's got a bed that just stays put. It's kind of located up in the front, but it's got this bed that stays put. Uh, you know, it's like a regular size, full sized bed, and so it's easy for her to get in and out of. It sits lower to the floor. So it's easy easy for her her to kind of get in and out of, and uh, so you know that's the reason that they did it. But they ended up, uh, you know, because they just I don't know maybe bought it a couple three weeks ago before they they brought you know before they brought it to Arkansas. Well, the uh, air conditioner. You know, it's got a, like a top-mounted air conditioner. The air conditioner quit. So they're having to uh, get that replaced. Now, that's that's one of the problems with these RVs. Uh, any kind of RV, you're going to have issues like that where things quit. You know, and I don't know, I guess maybe the modern stuff just doesn't, uh, is, it's just not as reliable as uh, the, some of the older stuff, you know, as far as air, air you know, the, the, especially the, like the RV appliances, like air conditioners and, uh, you know, the dual fuel refrigerators and what have you, they, they're just not as reliable, and so they're, you know, things are always uh, breaking, and they're not cheap either. So, uh, I ended up calling the local camping world, you know, because Camping World is like a, na a nationwide RV dealer that's got, uh, you know, that sells RVs and, and then, you know, does uh, sells a lot of RV accessories 
typically we'll have them in stock and also can service and you know you know install things so uh, you know I had to call the camping world and kind of talk to this to the gal in the parts department uh, you know and but in any case they're uh, what it what's they're supposed to take the RV uh, into camping world today <clears throat> and then uh, they're going to be fixing it and then they'll uh, move it back to their spot and then they'll be able to uh, have you know they'll have to they have to have air conditioning there's just no two ways about it because it, you know, the thing is, uh, when it's in uh, the RV park that they're in, it's sitting in direct sunlight, and uh, it's while it's been getting, you know, it's 50s, 60s at night here the past few days. It's getting up 70, 80 degrees, and you know, or you know, 80. I think yesterday it was in the, maybe the mid 80s, and that's that's enough where it's. Uh, kind of hot you know especially if you're just like with an RV in an RV park they're just parked right out in the sun and you know those things really heat up and so they, they you know it's not having an air a functioning air conditioner is not optional it you know has to have to have that so but so in any case they you know they've got the appointment set up and so that that should be working uh should be able to get that fixed and uh you know it's just one of those things the other problem with that rv is kind of got a little bit of a soft spot in the center of the floor and i don't know you know there's a variety of reasons why that could happen but when I say soft spot, the, the you know the floor in the you know there's this one area and it's right in the center uh, of the floor uh, is you could say well it's sort of spongy you know because it kind of gives so that's going to have to be fixed uh, you know so the the problem I don't know with an RV like that especially if you're buying a used one you probably really should look it over very very you know kind of go through it with a fine tooth comb look it over very carefully and sort of figure out uh, what might or might not be wrong with it and then even at that you're going to have just expect that you're going to have appliance problems uh, over time you will have appliance problems and that's that's true with uh, travel trailers and then if you have motorhomes it's especially true with motorhomes. Motorhomes are notorious. You know, my my parents did own. Uh, you know, they've been reti both retired for the, more than twenty years, <clears throat> and uh, they went through a succession of motorhomes over you know a period of time, and they were periodically they had problems, and the things just you know, things quit and they had to be replaced. And dad, uh, a good chunk of that dad was in a position, you know, he was in a good enough condition where he could do a lot of the work himself. But of course now he's like 89 years old. He's 89, she's 98. They really can't do a whole lot. You know, he can, uh, 
hook on to the thing and he still drives pretty well even at age 89 he can you know pull the thing around but he gets tired a lot easier than he once did and you know he can't uh, crawl around uh, the way he used to be able to so it's just you know it's you know it's just one of those things you know people you know as people age they can kind of end up uh not being able to do things that they once did and you know and that's certainly i'm on i you know i'm 68 and that certainly applies to me just not able to do the things that i you know that i i could once do and so and, and i i think it's important to recognize that as far as you know crawling around and doing this and doing that uh you know maybe you can still do it but uh it just doesn't work as well so so anyway uh but otherwise while i was home i you know i met different friends and ate with them and uh didn't have any appointments this time other than i took my car into the i did have an appointment set up with the toyota dealer to, you know, the car, you know, I bought the car new in 2016 and, you know, so the Toyota, you know, so-called Yaris IA that's manufactured by Mazda. It was manufactured by Mazda for Toyota in a plant in Mexico. And uh, it's so six, you know, and I've had the thing for about six years at this point. So I... Uh, decided it would be a really good idea to, to uh, have the, you know, I think it's a good idea to change the uh, transmission fluid, the automatic transmission fluid, every six years, regardless of mileage. So I that was one of the things they did. I went ahead and had them replace the battery, and it was time for an oil change. They rotated the tires, which, you know, that may or may not have been you know because i've replaced the tires but you know so they they rotated the tires and uh i don't know they replaced like a cabin air filter they were going to replace the engine air filter but they didn't have that in stock so i'll have to go back for that uh let's see did they do anything else so anyway, I, you know, had, oh, they replaced the brake fluid because they, they supposedly Toyota wants you to replace the brake fluid every uh, three years. Well, it had been six. And so they, they did go ahead and replace the brake fluid. That was the other thing. So I did do that. I spent, uh, you know, several hours at the Toyota dealer, you know, while they were working on it. So, uh. But I, I don't know, you know, it's important to do maintenance. And as I've said before, you know, the maintenance, you, well, you have, well, obviously you're doing maintenance so the vehicle will last. But uh, the other reason you want to do maintenance is so you don't end up having to walk. You know, that was, well, a good idea or, you know, a good example of that would be like the battery. Well, they tested the battery and he said, well, the battery's good. But the battery's six years old, you know, and sometimes, you know, like a car battery uh, seems to be good and then all of a sudden it just fails. 
you know, and uh, that that happens fairly often. It just kind of seems to be great, and then all of a sudden it's not. And they always things like that always fail at the wrong time. You know, at the you pick the most inconvenient time for it to fail, and that's when that's when things tend to fail. So, <laughs> you know, better just to replace it and not have to worry about it, you know, because, you know, typically when I, when I want to go somewhere, I just want to, you know, get in the vehicle and go and not have to worry about uh, this or that uh, failing, you know, so. Anyway, uh, I have a couple of uh, voice files from Joel that uh, I'm going to, you know, include in this podcast. I can't do it right now because I'm in the cave and uh, there is no cell service. I'm way back in here. So as soon as you, pretty well, as soon as you drive under, you know, you drive into the cave, uh, you know, you lose service, lose cell service. And so I don't have any internet access. So I'm not, you know, so I'll have to put this together a little bit later. But Joel had sent a uh, file right about the last, I guess, right before I uh, recorded the last podcast, and I didn't realize it. You know, Voxers, sometimes it notifies me, and then a lot of the times it doesn't. Uh, you know, Voxer's just never, never been able to get it, or lately it's, it's had a long, kind of a long history of not, the notification's not working properly. And it's not just me, other people are having the same issues. But in any case, uh, so, you know, I missed Joel's file the last time, and then he uh, sent another file uh, a couple of days ago, so I'm going to be trying to, you know, as long as everything comes through, okay, once I'm, you know, put this podcast together, uh, I will uh, include those. Now, the artificial intelligence, uh, it's interesting. One of the, uh, I was, you know, I've watched a number of YouTube videos, you know, where people are talking about the artificial intelligence and in one of them, a uh, guy made an interesting point. He thinks he thinks that uh, all of the doom and gloom that you know that, that's been kind of been in the media about artificial intelligence and how horrible it is and it's going to take over jobs and what have you. He made an interesting point uh, that the people that. Uh, sort of pride themselves on being intelligent. And there are people that, that do that. They pride themselves on, on their intellectual capacity, how smart they are. And they're, the, they're always the smartest people in the room. And people, make, people do make an identity out of that. They, that's absolutely true. People do create an identity out of uh, being intelligent. That's why you have uh, Mensa, the so-called Mensa organization, M-E-N-S-A. That's what uh, 
in part, that's what that's about is these people are, they've kind of formed their own group and, oh, we're just, we're super intelligent. And, uh, so all of a sudden here comes AI and it's smarter than they are. You know, the, the AI <clears throat> chat GPT knows more than they do. You know, and I and I believe those people are pro there are people that that if you've based your identity on that, and then all of a sudden uh, you're not the smartest person in the world, or you know, or in the room. Uh, Chat GPT is smarter than you are. Uh, you're probably going to end up feeling threatened by it. And I think it's it's ironic. You know, they they kept thinking that well, you know, the prediction was that. Uh, Artificial intelligence was going to just take over all of the blue collar jobs and, you know, the, you know, and the opposite is true. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, if it's, if chat GPT or, you know, or any of these artificial intelligences, so-called uh, large language model, artificial intelligences, <clears throat> they are, uh, if they're eliminating jobs, they're elim eliminating so-called knowledge jobs or, or white-collar jobs. And not so much with the blue-collar jobs. You know, so it's, it's kind of the opposite of what they thought or, you know, what the narrative has been. And... Uh, you know, so that's, you know, I the gloom and doom, whatever, you know, but it's, I know it's fun for, you know, people to engage in gloom and doom and, you know, the world's going to, you know, it's, it's going to come to an end or whatever. Well, you know, that uh, uh, it does appeal to a lot of people, you know, they, you know, to kind of, think of gloom and doom but uh, we live in the real world and the real world isn't perfect I was watching uh, more of this season I guess it's the third and final season of the Star Trek Picard and you know they're in this season they brought back a bunch of the you know the Star Trek TNG characters or part of them anyway. They brought some of the characters back, and so it's, uh, you know, the, but the the difference, if you watch the, you know, the, even the TNG, ep, you know, those, the, those episodes, or even Deep Space Nine, uh, you watch any of that, and the, you know, versus this uh, new stuff, you know, they're, they're you know, in the uh, earlier versions of Star Trek, you know, it was more of a utopian type of uh, world that they were portraying, whereas in this new one, everything's just dystopia. You know, it's just this horrible dystopic uh, 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 world. You know, where all these people are, you know, kind of deceiving each other and cutting each other's throats. And 
you know, and yeah, does that exist? Of course it does, you know, but it's not everywhere, you know, it's, so you associate with the group of people that you want, that you, that are, you know, kind of like-minded, you know, uh, not everybody is a thief or, uh, you know, kind of engaging in uh, breaking the Ten Commandments. You know, so you, but they, the dystopian narrative does appeal to, you know, it appeals to people. And I think in part because we're an order of magnitude uh, more likely to, or let's say an order of magnitude more sensitive to negative things, things that can hurt us, things that potentially could kill us, we're way more sensitive to those things than we are to positive things. And that's just the way, that's just in our makeup. Uh, You know, positive things, you know, don't really register all that well. If something's working and it's positive, you don't really, you just kind of take it for granted. And the negative things really stick out. And so that's why the negative things, uh, people find the negative things so appealing. Well, it's now a couple of days later. I am uh, at currently at uh, Hesperia, California. I have a load that I picked picked up in, uh, and I may have already said this, I picked it up at uh, Carthage, Missouri, and uh, so it delivers tomorrow, tomorrow being Sunday morning at 7 a.m. in Riverside, California, and then after that I'll be picking a load up, I think, let's see, the next day, if I've got my days right, be picking a load up the next day over in Phoenix and then that load delivers to Ontario, California and then after that I'll be picking a load up at uh, Mira Loma, California that goes to Aurora, Colorado so uh, apparently I have my I'll have my uh, several loads uh least the next couple of loads lined up unless something changes I've got the next couple of loads lined up uh, following unloading tomorrow in uh, Riverside so uh, in any case uh, I'm pretty happy with the uh, quality of the uh, recording that the watch made it's not Obviously, you can tell the difference between the watch microphone and this Heil PR40. Uh, the Heil PR40 obviously has a lot more uh, bottom end to it. But <clears throat> the watch microphone uh, is actually pretty good. I think it, it uh, pretty much probably matches uh, what the microphones are in the phones these days. And those microphones are actually pretty good too, so... But uh, in any case, it, uh, 
is pretty easy to because I can make the recording on the you know if I want to I can make a recording on the uh, watch and as soon as I end it it transmits it automatically over to the phone and then it's just a matter of uh, sharing it from the phone I can there's a variety of ways that I can get it from the phone uh, you know kind of easily get it from the phone to the you know to the computer and you know on top of that it's uh, well it's an M4A so I do have to convert the files from an M4A to an MP3 because this really old version of uh, Adobe Edition that I have uh, does not know what an M4A file is so I do have to make the conversion to an MP3 and I think I don't know now that I've kind of think about that I think all it's doing is changing I think all I have to do actually is change the uh, file extension I'll have to play with that <clears throat> I have to experiment with that and see if that's true or not because something there, there seems to be something in my mind about you know that, that you could do that and it just simply works so but I may have may have the file extensions wrong <coughs> In any case, I've got uh, a couple of uh, Voxer files from Joel. Like I was explaining previously, uh, the first one he sent uh, about right before I uh, recorded and uploaded the, the last podcast. I just missed it. I found it after the fact. And uh, then he sent me another one that's more recent that just you know just a few days ago so we'll start with the first one so here is joel howdy tom this is joel mclaughlin here as you haven't had the show for a while hopefully you're doing okay um but i was just thinking more and more about some of the recent events uh like uh starship blowing up last week um and other things too thinking about how paranoid certain groups of our society are now um you know they were actually almost some people on the left right was almost celebrating the failure of the starship even though that's just part of developing spacecraft you don't send a spacecraft up without testing it and so that's what they had to do and yeah, so what? It blew up. Now you go in and fix it. And that's how how we uh, get to places like the moon or Mars. And it goes back towards you know, my thoughts on the uh, Artemis project and how uh, some people are saying, well, we shouldn't need me going to the moon because we've already been there. Um, and I'm like, if we left it up to today's society, if this was 1969 and everyone was like they are now, uh, we'd have never made it to the moon. And that's what I'm afraid of that might happen uh, for this. Because, you know, we're so divided now as a country and really as a world in some cases. Well, I'm going to go ahead and interrupt. Uh, I heard an interesting theory the the other day 
And I think it, you know, it does make sense, you know, because there's this uh, divide, and it's, you know, it's long been noted, not just in U.S. society, but uh, I'd say in most societies or, you know, most uh, countries, and I'd say especially if you want to say empire, uh, most empire, all empires probably, is that there's a difference between people in the cities, you know, people that, that are in, you know, congregated in large cities tend to think one way, you know, but, you know, and, and certainly uh, you look at the U.S. and it's coastal, you know, so you got the East Coast and the West Coast, the, you know, the people that are along the water tend to sort of think in one way and people that are sort of landlocked in the center kind of think in a different way <clears throat> you know and so that I think you know and I think that does also make sense so in other words geography ends up playing a part in the division now that's not obviously that's not the entire equation but it does make sense that uh, you know I think people in the central part of the country or whatever country it is and in this case it's the United States uh, people that are in the central part you know it's more spread out uh, and I think that people by necessity uh, have to sort of relate to the world more pragmatically you know, at least that's what this guy's theory was. And then in cities, you can have more of a, you, you know, you end up, I'll put it in my language, you know, people end up kind of being spoiled, perhaps. It's more likely that people are going to get spoiled in cities, and then they end up in uh, sort of dream worlds, you know, the, the, where they're sort of out, you know, they can end up, it's easier in a coastal area to... Uh, especially in a city that's next to a coastal area, it's easier to lose touch with reality, you know, and you just kind of don't realize where the food came comes from and all of the effort that goes into it, you know, and it's easy for us to just turn on the light switch and uh, the light comes on and we, you know, we don't realize all of the effort, you know, that, that goes into maintaining that you know the electricity coming through so you can just flip on the light switch and not even think about it you know or you put uh, you know gas in your vehicle and you just you don't have to think about it you know so that, but that's an interesting idea that uh, and I and I do think there's some merit to it although it's not the total story geography ends up playing a part and I think you can make that case you know for most countries uh, you know the people that are you know the, that are in more you know the so called hinterlands or the, the more rural areas end up with a different perspective than the people that uh, that are kind of concentrated in big cities so but anyway, that's uh, obviously the you know that might be one of the the root the things that the that are at the root of it. But uh, 
is certainly worth considering. And the thing that, that uh, I've always thought about was we need something as a world, oh, excuse me, as a world and as a country to rally behind. And we don't really have that except for now we might have uh, the Artemis project and the Starship project maybe going to Mars and stuff like that. And if we finally had that, then maybe we can stop looking beyond our petty things. Like, uh, um, fortunately, she's no longer a part of Ohio's governing body, but there's this um, person, she's on Young Turks now. Her name's Nina Turner on uh, Twitter. That's what she goes by. And her thing is always like uh, that uh, people who work for McDonald's should be able to afford housing and life and stuff like that, even though we all know that that's, you know, you work at McDonald's, you're going to have to have a roommate, <laughs> you know. Um, and she's and she's free this, free that. And she's full on, I want to say it, communist. Um, but you know, she just can't seem to get it out of her thick skull that it that if if you don't like the money you're getting paid at McDonald's, you go and find another job. You know, and, you know the way some people act now is that the job you get when you're 16 is the job you're going to have when you're uh, 40, which is simply not true at all. I mean, I had let's see, my first job was working for Burger King, and I went to college and I had to quit that job. And when I went went to uh, college, I worked for, actually I had two jobs in college. I had a job uh, at a grocery store here in the Ohio area called Meyer, working in the bakery department. And then um, once I was at uh, my school for long enough, I became what they call a, a faculty associate or faculty assistant. So I had great papers and stuff like that uh, for instructors and work for instructors. Um, really great to get to know the instructors, uh, they, some of which I actually had in class that I ended up working for. So, um, and then uh, after that, I <laughs> couldn't get a job right out of college, so guess what I did? I went and worked back from Meyer again, and I was probably making right about $10, $12 an hour, maybe. And uh, I, I had a roommate, I had my, my, bro my brother uh, during that time period, and, uh, so that's, you know, it's what I did in order to get through things. And eventually, I got a job at Columbus State Community College part-time first as a computer operations person. And then while I was there, they trained me to become a system admin. And I became a system admin. And then I moved on to uh, the company that made the software that they bought. Uh, and... Uh, I work for that company and I get paid a whole lot of money. And I worked very hard to get each and every one of those jobs. And when I wanted more money, I went and got the next job down the line. That's how it's supposed to work. Not supposed to just uh, stay at the same job forever. You know, like, like uh, I have relatives who, once they got home from World War II, that's what they did. And, it's simply something you just cannot do anymore. You know, um, and, you know, and some of these people just think that, you're, oh, you're always going to work for McDonald's once you get a job at McDonald's. Well, no, 
never works that way. And, uh, and so people nowadays seem to be afraid to take risk. And sometimes it is a risk. It was a risk when I when I left my job at Columbia State. I could have stayed there. I could have retired. You know, they weren't going to let, let me go. They would have got me training on whatever new system they got. And I would have continued to work there until I retired. But I didn't want that. I wanted more money. And I wanted to make it so that my that we can have a comfortable living. And I went and uh, got this job I currently have now. And then, well, the first job at the company that I currently work for, I should say, you know, but it's, you know, people in certain generations now, they just don't want to take risks. So that's all I'm thinking about. And uh, hopefully you're doing well. Okay. Well, thank you, Joel. Yeah. So the people that, you know, and I know the type of attitude that you're talking about now. Uh, so the question kind of pops into my head. Do I personally know anyone like that? That uh, doesn't have any ambition? And I'd say personally, I don't. You know, now it's possible that... Uh, you know, some of the relatives that I have, you know, some of the relatives that I have, they're younger, you know, their kids or their younger, you know, which now are probably younger adults, may or may not have that attitude, and I'm just not uh, around them, so I'm not aware of it. But I think, generally speaking, uh, you know, I can't really say that I know anyone personally that has that attitude but I know that it exists obviously and it certainly has its advocates in the media and in government that you know that are sort of encouraging that and I think that's that's one of the problems uh, you know with you know we have this media and it's uh, you know kind of pushing this stuff in our face all the time and, you know, does that really exist? Well, there may be a certain element of it that exists, but I, you know, in the real world that I exist in, I just don't see it. The, you know, the people that I encounter, unless they're, you know, the ones that are uh, sort of standing there on the, you know, at the end of a, a ramp, you know, with their sign... Uh, you know, wanting, you know, someone to hand them money or whatever, unless it's one of those people, I just, you know, I personally, I don't see it now, you know. But that's, you know, but we do have people that are obviously, they don't have any ambition, they don't want to take any risks. I'm sure that exists. Why would that be? Well, it goes back to parents spoiling their kids spoiling them uh you know not forcing them to you know kind of out of you know forcing them out of the nest you know it's something we don't see in nature you know in nature you know you have the the baby birds 
you know, which I, you know, I love the image of the baby birds with their beaks uh, pointing straight up, waiting for mama bird to come put a worm in it so they can eat. But the other part of that is that once the birds are big enough, uh, mama pushes, mama bird pushes them out of the nest. They're, they, they're gone. They've got to, they've got to fend for themselves. You know, kind of make their own nest, make their own way in the world. But human beings, uh, you know, that's one of the areas where we can go wrong. And I think it, it goes back to the other problem is our morals. You know, and people, a lot of people bristle at that because it's, it's not such an easy problem to fix. You know, because uh, you you know, for one thing, I think we have to learn to be human, to be decent human beings. Now, hopefully, we have parents that sort of uh, guide us along the path and uh, sort of provide a decent example. And then it's up to us also uh, as individuals to mature. So, you know, but there, there are a lot of people today that just don't uh, seem to have the right set of values. And they just want uh, someone to, you know, if, let's say that, you know, that, you know, the parents, you've had spoiling parents or, you know, the spoiling parents... You know, and they've just handed them everything, and then uh, they didn't push them out of the nest. They haven't forced them to, you know, work or whatever. And they're just, you know, they just want government to take over where the parents left off. You know, feed me. Everything should be handed to me. That sort of attitude, and then they have their champions in the, you know, in the media, and their champions in the government. You know, so, but I don't know. I I've come kind of come back to uh, the idea that a lot of this division, you know, we keep, you know, people keep talking. Oh, the division is worse than it's ever been. Turn the damn media off. Are you seeing division in the real world? And then at least the parts of the world that I deal with, I don't see the division. I'm not seeing it. You know, I'm not seeing people get into, you know, kind of... the You know, these divisive... Uh, Arguments, you know, the type of what you see on television. I just don't see it. I'm sure, I'm sure it exists. You know, I'm sure, you know, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it. You know, it, in fact, at one time I was more likely to see people get into political arguments, let's say in a restaurant or whatever. But these days I just don't see I just don't see any, I just don't see it happening much
So a lot of this, uh, you know, people are sort of stuck on the media. You know, stuck, you know, of course, stuck with the negative ideas like I was talking about previously. Because the negative really gets our attention. And the more negative it is, the more dangerous the idea or the actions, the more it gets our attention. I don't know if you've uh, been paying attention, but now there's this the story with Target, the Target stores, and apparently they've put out uh, these, you know, it's so-called Pride Month, and so they've put out these instead of just the little rainbow stickers or whatever that they had that they've had in the past, and the flags. Now they've got uh, they're just really putting it in your face with. Uh, children's clothing, children's pride clothing, and even satanic, making satanic references. You know, so it's, they're, you know, kind of push it in your face. Well, yeah, that gets attention all right. I didn't, you know, hardly ever shopped at Target, you know, anyway, because I've never... There's only been a time or two that I was happy with what you know with, with making the trip into the store. The rest of the time I've that I've gone to a Target store, I've kind of been in and out and didn't buy anything. So I really, I you know, I'm really not a big you know fan of Target to start with. So I, you know, I've never been able to see what the big deal is with it. But I guess it's, you know, it's, it appeals to certain people. But in any case, they, they're, they've lost about, uh, I guess, about $10 billion of their stock valuation. Af, you know, after this stupid, stupid move. You know, and they, you know, they should have learned their lesson by now because they've, you go back a couple of years, and they did the same thing with the the restrooms. You know where they said, "Oh, it's okay if a man is feeling like a woman and he wants to go in a woman's restroom. It's that's fine," which is just utter stupidity. You know they're kind of shoving that in her face. You know, before I play Joel's second file, there's one other thing. You know the. Uh, the Sennheiser-Busch thing, the fiasco with the, you know, the, the what's it, Dylan McIlvaney thing or whatever, you know, the thing with the, you know, the, the can uh, that had, uh, you know, his picture on it or whatever that they sent him, you know, the so-called YouTube influencer, trans, uh, You know, this is, they're saying this is the most successful boycott ever. Now, I don't know. I, I was thinking about this, you know, because you, YouTube influencer, you have these ideas, oh, they're influencers, social influencers. Well, I think in large part, and, and it may just be beer in particular, which I don't drink, by the way, I don't like the taste of alcohol, I don't like the smell of it, I don't like the way it uh, 
affects people be, people's behavior. You know, so I just, you know, I've just stayed completely away from alcohol personally. But, and I continue to. But, you know, that is sort of a, you know, social, if you're going to drink, you know, of course that's a very, you know, it's considered a very social thing, behavior, very social behavior to drink. And the beer, you know, which is supposedly it all kind of has its different flavors or whatever, uh, it's sort of a social product, you know, so it's the beer, you know, they have their brands, you know, and they're, they're kind of loyal to their, you know, to their brand of beer. And it's, uh, you know, so I think the beer in, in the case of the, the beer, uh, consumers, they're already sort of social influencers with their, you know, with their beer with it, whatever whatever brand that they've embraced you know so I think you know there's but there's there seems to be a, a highly social element to uh, the beer drinking thing you know and, and which brands they're going to buy and so they've uh, really shot them you know Anheuser-Busch uh, whoever was responsible for that ultimately the CEO was is uh, whoever you know whoever was responsible they've really shot themselves in the foot you know and it's it's really you know it's it's uh, having actually severe consequences for Anheuser-Busch and you know thousands and you know tens of thousands of people are uh, probably now in danger of being laid off uh, you know not just in you know in the beer factories as well as the you know the beer distributors you know, they've, they've uh, you know, this is just, it's a giant fiasco. So, but the, but these people really do believe that they can reprogram, you know, they can just put this stuff out there and they're going to reprogram everybody to accept this stuff. And like I've said before, you know, the, with the, you know, even with the trans thing, whatever I don't care someone's homosexual or you know whatever I don't care do whatever you want to do just don't uh, don't shove it in my face I don't want to you know don't talk about it I don't want to hear about it uh, but you know the problem that they have you know because at first they said well we want to be accepted okay well you know fine fine and dandy whatever I, I don't care the problem that they have is that uh, they're guilty people they're going against nature they're going against their own conscience and I think this is my theory I think that uh, no matter what even if the society says okay it's okay to be homosexual or whatever if you want to prance you're a man and you want to prance around in a dress or whatever go ahead whatever who cares keep it to yourself they're guilty people and they they have this idea that that's the reason that they feel guilt is because Society at large is uh, makes them feel guilty. 
So they think that they can just reprogram everyone to accept it, and it's going to take this. It's going to take this the guilt away. The problem is it doesn't. It doesn't take the guilt away. They've, they're still guilty, and it's because they've got a guilty conscience. And the guilty conscience isn't because society programmed them to think that you know that the you know the certain behaviors are wrong. It's because there is a, an inbuilt sense of knowing of right and wrong, whether you like it or not. People will argue, oh, well, it's all a, you know, it's all a, morality's all a social construct. No, it isn't. It's built into our biology. Deal with it. Hey, Tom. <clears throat> it's Joel McLaughlin here. I just thought I'd box uh, you. And uh, I just found out Ron Street passed. I didn't know if you knew. <clears throat> but he passed back in October. I just noticed that because somebody wished him a happy birthday and said, rest in peace. I'm like, oh, goodness. And, yeah, I look back, and he passed away. Okay, thank you again, Joel. Yeah, I did know that, but ironically, I just found it out last night. I uh, happened to his son, you know, who I, you know, his son... Uh, had posted uh, Sean Stroop had posted a uh, thing on Facebook and it popped up in my newsfeed at the top popped up there and it had a picture of Ron and, and it said dad would have been something to the effect of dad would have would have been 73 you know because I guess yesterday uh, or, you know was his birthday I think whatever day it was it was yesterday when I saw it so it must have been yesterday that they made the post because I don't think Facebook throws up older posts but uh, so you know and then I went to Ron's you know the Facebook which is still there and then I scrolled back and I found out that he uh, died uh, I believe they said October the 27th of 2022 so I was not aware of that until yesterday evening so now I don't know some at some point sometime back I had uh, kind of texted back and forth with him uh, on uh, telegram you know and he you know and I didn't talk to him it's been it, you know it had been probably a couple of years since I t actually talked to him on the phone uh, you know and he was even you know he was in kind of bad shape you know and he for the last several years he you know he was on uh, dialysis you know because he'd had uh, you know he'd gotten the type 2 diabetes and then you know, and that kind of goes back. He had it for probably more than 10 years was when he was diagnosed with it. And then, uh, you know, a few years ago, he ended up with uh, complete, you know, more or less complete kidney failure. And then they put him on uh, home dialysis. Uh, he'd lost vision in one eye. And of course, he, you know, he hadn't, he, you know, he'd been retired for quite a, you know, even, or I don't know, sometime before he got the type, or after actually, after he got the type 2 diabetes is when he actually retired from his job. His wife continued working. Uh, but uh, in any case, he uh, was on the, you know, the he had the home 
dialysis machine that he you know he spent uh, a number of hours each you know on certain days of the week uh, you know in the you know I guess you know in the home dialysis you know kind of a machine you know he's sitting in a chair watching television or what have you and uh, like I say he had lost lost vision in one eye and then uh, you know so I think he, he said that you know when I was texting back and forth with him on telegram he did say that he had you know since he had the home dialysis uh, he was doing better you know of course uh, that you know is usually once someone's on home diet or you know on any kind of dialysis they you know typically they that may go on for a period of time and then you know kind of inevitably uh you know they're eventually it's you know they're gonna die you know and so that's it's unfortunate so i you know i really really liked ron ron was a great friend and uh you know really liked him and his wife and i you know i think i it was about uh probably well yeah about it was about seven years ago i actually you know i was when i was going down to visit my parents down in south texas i actually stopped through there and uh you know spent the night with them and then uh you know, and, and that was when, you know, Ron, that was before he was on dialysis and he was still in relative, you know, of course he already had the type 2 diabetes, but he was still in relatively decent health. And uh, that was actually the last time I saw him in person. So, but, uh, yeah, like I say, it was kind of ironic that I... Uh, discovered that last night and I I hadn't listened to Joel's message until you know just now uh, when I, I played it uh, as I was assembling this podcast so but that that's happened several times now where I've uh, kind of come across after the fact that someone has died you know and I'll just kind of look at their you know I figure it out on Facebook you know someone has made a posting uh, and typically they'll, you know, if it's like if it's their birthday, they'll say happy birthday. And then, but some people won't realize that if they're, you know, the person's actually dead. But then you'll have others that, that are sort of talking about the, this would have been so-and-so's, you know, birthday or we miss you or that type of thing. So, but uh, anyway... Let's see. I let's see if I've got anything else I wanted to talk about here. Let's see here. I've got my notes here. Okay, so people are t- still talking about the artificial intelligence, and uh, I don't know. I I think that we're just going to deal with it. It's just you know, it's making changes. I guess in the past few days, there's been, you know, there's a big hubbub about uh, someone had made a picture of, uh, like, you know, with artificial intelligence of, uh, like, the Pentagon uh, being bombed or whatever. And then that started making the rounds with uh, a bunch of bunch of different news organizations. And it actually caused a giant loss, a temporary loss in the stock market. 
stock market stuff until people realized that it was uh, wasn't true. You know, is that artificial intelligence's pro- fault? No, it's not. I, somebody could do that with uh, Photoshop. It doesn't have to be artificial intelligence. Someone could easily, uh, you know, generate a, 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 you know, an image uh, and make it look very realistic with a, a Photoshop image. You know, of a, of a, you know, a, you know, of an explosion wherever you want. It doesn't have to be uh, artificial intelligence. And I think it says much more about the news organizations and they don't vet things. You know, because this went through five, probably at least five or ten different major news organizations before they realized that, you know, before somebody checked on it and they realized it was wrong, that it was a hoax. So that says much more about the news organizations than it does the, you know, how the image was generated. Because, yeah, so what? It was artificial intelligence. Well, it could just as easily, you could do that with Facebook or with uh, Photoshop. Uh, you know, when did the first imaging image editor come out? You know how you know that goes way, way back. That that was easily possible to generate a you know that sort of image with a Photoshop. You know, so it it really it uh, says uh, speaks volume about the the crap level of news of you know that passes for news more than anything else. So, the other thing, you know, they're talking about, now they're talking about these robots and, you know, humanoid robots and the humanoid robots are going to take over, you know, all of the different things. Well, one of the things, you know, with the, the population collapse that we have, you know, where we're, you know, the population is aging and we're running out of uh, enough younger people. You know, who's going to take care of the elderly, you know, because like with me, for example, I'm, you know, if I get to the point where I'm can't take care of myself anymore, then I'm basically hoping to rely on someone else's kids to take care of me because I didn't have any. So I guess, you know, maybe we can uh, maybe if if we can get these uh, humanoid robots Maybe they can, you know, you can have your own human human robot uh, or, you know, humanoid robot nanny for the elderly that can uh, kind of, you know, with the built-in artific- artificial intelligence and, you know, they, you know, they could actually uh, have, carry on uh, intelligent conversations and uh, sort of physically move through you know, you're, you're the world and actually uh, take care of people. You know, there have been movies made like that, I think, where they, you know, the old person has a sort of a robot companion that's sort of taking care of them, and it turns out, hey, this is actually probably possible. So I, I, you know, <laughs> I want a robot nanny. Now, they're also talking about... Uh, Microsoft just announced this. Uh, they're going to be integrating, uh, you know, the the 
GPT-4 or whatever, the, or Bing, uh, artificial intelligence, they're going to integrate that directly in to Windows. And so, and from what I understand, it's going to be able to work with with your own documents. So if you're not sure where where your document is, you can just type in there and ask it, well, where I need such and such document. Can you find it on my computer? And, you know, if this thing works right, it should just be able to find it. You know, so that I could see where that would be very useful. So I think, you know, I've talked about this before. I think it's going to show up in all the operating systems. You're going to have art, you know, it's going to, that includes... Uh, artificial intelligence you know built directly into phones because phones are you know the modern phones are almost as capable as uh, modern computers you know so there's really no reason why they can't integrate it right into the operating system you know, and then you you kind of really do get uh, moved towards a, a genuine sort of a personal assistant that actually is familiar with your own uh, stuff. So, you know, and then, <laughs> I don't know, I may have talked about this before, but, uh, you know, people, there's an ar always been this argument about, well, good, if you have artificial intelligence, is it actually conscious or not? And I don't, personally, I don't think it can be. I don't think it can be because you're just dealing with zeros and ones on a chip. You know, so it's just a series of zeros and ones and so it, I don't think it can be conscious. But let's say that it is for the you know, so if it is and then if you believe in reincarnation, what happens, you know, every time you reboot your uh, artificial intelligence computer, you reboot it. Uh, does some random soul suddenly find themselves uh, reincarnated temporarily as an artificial intelligence? <laughs> so, but I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's, I, I don't believe it's possible for a machine to be intelligent or for a you know, computer program to be Intel or to be uh, conscious. I said intelligent, conscious. They can be very intelligent. They can't be conscious. And another thing about the AI, I was you know the heard this other idea the other day. The guy was saying that you know there's all this negative press about AI. You know there's a lot of positive press about it, but there's a ton of negative stuff about it. And maybe one of the reasons why there's so much negative stuff about it is because the people, you know, you have certain people that uh, they've based their identity on the fact that they're intelligent. You know, there are, there are people that, and I've actually known some people, that actually uh, they've based their, it's obvious to me they've based their identity on the fact that they're intelligent, you know, and they sort of feel like 
they're the most intelligent person in, in any given room. They're the most intelligent. And all of a sudden, you've got something like chat GPT that is obviously way more intelligent than they are. They're no longer the most intelligent uh, thing around. You know, so I think there's some merit to that idea. Because suddenly someone's identity is threatened. And, you know, and it's been my experience. If you threaten people's, you know, certain people, if their identity, if they find that it's suddenly their identity is really threatened, they can kind of have a, a very negative knee-jerk reaction because you've pulled the rug right out from under them. You know, you, they, you know, they've sort of built their house on shifting sand, as it were. The construct of their identity is is kind of built on, uh, you know, or the the foundation of their consciousness is sort of built on shifting sand the with the, the shifting sand being the idea that they're super intelligent they're smarter than everyone else they know better than everyone else they've got more facts than anyone else has they're they're a better person because they're so intelligent they're superior All of a sudden, they're not. So there may be some merit to that idea. Another, you know, and I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but this idea kind of popped into my head. I think one of the reasons why, you know, because AI, with the AI, with these so-called large language models... You know, it's sort of a, you know, even the people that program them are saying, well, it's sort of a black box as to how it actually works. And I think, you know, and I've, I think that uh, one of the reasons that it works, that the large, the large language models work, I think one of the reasons, especially with language, is because language itself is mathematical. I think that there's a, a fair amount of math involved with language. And I think that the human brain with all of the, you know, the billions of neurons actually... Uh, is sort of performing a similar function to a large extent. Or, or you know, you're, you could flip that the other way around. The uh, reason that these large language models are able to uh, sort of seem to understand and, you know, really nuanced promptings and spit out uh, kind of nuanced 
responses, intelligent responses, is because they're, you know, they're sort of predicting what the next word should be. And I think in large part that's, that's, that there's a mathematical element to that. So they're sort of, even though they're, you know, it's on a smaller scale, there aren't, obviously there aren't uh, billions of neurons that are, that are sort of being uh, mimicked in software. You know, it's a far, far less number of neurons that are being uh, sort of mimicked in, via software. But the computer is faster than the than the biological brain is. So the brain, the human brain, is sort of you know kind of predicting what the next word should be. And of course, the human brain has, you know, all kinds of pattern recognition, is really good at pattern recognition, in fact. You know, and the, but, you know, so they're able to mimic this uh, with the uh, large language models. So, but that's just my theory. It could be completely wrong. So. Anyway, I think I want to go ahead and bring this to a close, uh, see, see if I can get it uh, packaged together and sent off, posted. So I hope everyone is uh, having a great weekend, and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. <laughs>